Hello everybody. Good afternoon. So today's essay is titled Feminism, Nationalism and Postcolonialism written by Ania Lumba. Group 1 will be dealing with first three pages of the essay. Ania Lumba begins her essay by a remark on nation as an imagined community and she states that imagining is profoundly gendered gender and sexuality are prior when it comes to the conceptualization expression and enactment of colonial relations the relatedness between women land or nations plays a significant role when national fantasies are considered now she talks about figures of britannia and mother india and how they circulate as the symbols of national temper and these figures are imagined as abstractions allegories goddesses or real life women women are regarded as symbolic representation of various things resistance for example delacroix commemorated the spirit of the french revolution as the bare-breasted liberty as nation state for example the former stalingrad where stands a colossal statue of the motherland as spirit or dilemma of an entire culture for example the story of malitsin uh in chicano culture so basically lumba is focusing on various occasions and discourses where women are regarded as symbolic representations of various things as national emblems women are usually cast as mothers or wives and are called upon to literally and figuratively reproduce the nation Nira Yuval Davis and Floya Antias accounts that biological and economic aspects of the term are largely dealt in feminist literature on reproduction but has failed to look into the reproduction of national ethical and racial categories to create their own lineage and to limit and control the activity of women within the imagined community the image of nation as mother was used during nationalist movements woman is viewed in hamas or the palestinian islamic resistance movements as i quote in the resistance the role of the muslim woman is equal to the man's she is a factory to produce men and she has a great role in raising and educating the generations i uncode the identification of women as national mothers stems from a wider association of nation with the family nation as home and leaders and icons assume parental roles and the fellow citizens 
are brothers and sisters. For example, Mahatma Gandhi as father of the nation and Winnie Mandela as mother of the nation. To substantiate this, Lumba gives a broader example of the condition during feudalism. I quote from the text, Under feudalism, the king was a father to his people and patriarchy provided the vocabulary for explaining political hierarchies too. Thus, King James I proclaimed that by the law of nature, the king becomes a natural father to all his lieges at his coronation. The family and the state shaped each other's development. A 17th century French ordinance recognized that marriages are the seminaries of states. Quoting this, Natali Zeman Davis observes that kings and political theorists saw the increasing legal subjection of wives to their husbands as a guarantee of the obedience of both men and women to the slowly centralizing state. I unquote. Now, colonial scenario is stated colonial state as parents patriate, which is the Latin term for parent of the nation. And this controlling, this is controlling and also supposedly providing for its children. The familial vocabulary in the colonial situation, besides its relations between state and subject, is also well engaged in expressing racial or cultural relations. The white man burdened with the duty of civilizing the uncouth colonies and disciplining them into obedience. Nelson Mandela, in his autobiography, Long Walk to Freedom, describes how the South African prison system enforced racial discrimination by not allowing African prisoners to wear long trousers in prison. Isabel Hofmeyer shows how the ideology of the family played a crucial role in consolidating the Afrikaner nationalist ideology as well as its racism in early 20th century South Africa. Afrikaner had no authority, Af Afrikaner woman had no authority outside her family. The family can be both used as a metaphor for the nation and cast as the antithesis of the nation or a private realm as opposed to the public space of the nation. On the contrary, in the colonial situation, family becomes both the domain and the symbol of anti-colonial activities. Anti-colonial nationalism can be viewed, according to Lumba, as a struggle to represent, create or recover a culture and a selfhood that has been systematically repressed and eroded during colonial rule. Wailing, clitoral, exigent, 
polygamy, widow immolation, matrilineal or same-sex relations are interpreted as symptoms of the untranslatable cultural essence of particular culture and maintaining or undermining this becomes significant to colonial struggles. Under colonial rule, female power and female helplessness was evoked when the image of nation or culture as a mother was being used. The nation as mother protected her son from colonial ravages but was also herself ravished by colonialism. To support this, Lumba borrowed Sri Aurobindo's words, I quote, My country as mother, I offer her my devotions, my worship. If a monster sits upon her breast and prepares to suck her blood, what does a child do? Does he quietly sit down to his meal or rush to her rescue? I unquote. Thus, the image of nation as mother both marshals and undercuts female power. Real women as mothers to nations are granted only limiting, limited agency. In metropolitan and colonial contexts, education for women proved to cater only to their better performance as wives and mothers and are taught not to usurp the authority from men. Humanist writing visualized women as companions and helpmates to their men and at the same time completely subservient to male head of the household. Sir Thomas More championed the cause of female education and yet prescribed the role of leaders or teachers for educated women. The question of female education becomes a colonial battlefield. If colonialists claimed to reform women's status by offering them education, nationalists countered by charting a parallel process of education and reform. One which would simultaneously improve the women's lot and protect them from becoming decultured. In 19th century Bengali discourses, for instance, the over-educated woman is represented as becoming a mem sahib or English woman who neglects her home and husband. Too much education, like too little, results in bad domestic practices. So that's all about my portion. Thank you.